Well, we have God's Word before us. Let's uh, open up together for a few minutes. Look at something I hope will help us in our focus as Christians. And our focus as Christians should always be upon Jesus. And that's what I want to do tonight to remind us that Jesus, when he calls us, he calls us to himself. He doesn't call us uh, to go away with a a pile of religion. Uh, He doesn't call us to uh, leave him and struggle on as best we can with the do's and don'ts of of laws and and of, uh, of rights and wrongs. He calls us to himself. So Mark chapter 1, and we'll start looking at verses 14 and 15. It says, Now after John, John the Baptist, was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So, John had been saying these kind of things himself, and now Jesus begins his ministry proclaiming these things. So in verse 4, John has a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and uh, uh, Jesus now almost takes up that call and says to people, repent, and believe in the gospel what I want to do tonight very simply is to remind us that this is what we have in in our (coughs) Christian faith we have a call to a person it's not like other religions which are calling you to uh, a set of rules a set of practices and uh, a set of rituals we are called to Jesus to Jesus himself and this is perhaps a, a thing that dawns on people even on Christians somewhere along the line perhaps the penny drops I know when I first became a Christian I didn't at all understand this Still learning this very much and learning a lot more about it even recently. You know, that I am called by Jesus to himself. I'm called to the person of Jesus. And often the church can lose sight of this. And we just become uh, religious people. uh, Practicing a religion and not really devoting ourselves to him. Uh, A few weeks ago we were thinking about the rich young man. Remember the rich young man and Jesus' encounter with him? That was on a Sunday morning. And the rich young man just wanted to be given some rules, some guidance by Jesus and to go away. That would have satisfied him. And he was hoping that Jesus would tell him that he was doing fine already 
All these laws I have kept since I was a boy. Uh, well, Jesus gives him another challenge, and that is to sell everything he has and give to the poor. But Jesus doesn't leave him there. He doesn't think, oh, well, I've got to go away and do that now. Jesus says, then come and follow me. Jesus' call to the man is a call to himself. He's not calling the man uh, simply to keep laws or to deny himself. He's calling him to himself. Jesus calls him to himself. Now when we see Jesus saying repent and believe in verse 15, that doesn't necessarily sound at first sight like a call from Jesus to himself. But as you read the gospel, you begin very quickly to realise that when it speaks about repenting, the repenting is what Israel has to do in order to come to Jesus. And that is, they've got to stop trusting in what they're doing themselves. They've got to stop trusting in their nationality. They've got to stop trusting in Jerusalem. They've got to stop trusting in their Jewishness. They've got to stop trusting in the, in the temple and the priestly system. They've got to stop trusting in their own keeping of laws. And uh, they've, got to, they've got to also turn from their sins. And where do they go when they repent? Repentance isn't just a, a turning away. It's a turning to. It's a turning to Jesus. And that is what Jesus is calling them to. When he says repent, he's calling them to be rid of everything that keeps them from him. And that's his call to you and me tonight. In our lives, what is what's keeping us from Jesus? What's keeping us in the stagnant pools of religion? Uh, or in the the deathly shadows of sin. Jesus calls you and me to repent of that. And he calls us to himself. I have come that they will, they will have life, he says. And life to the full. He's calling us to life. He's calling us to him. He's not calling us just to take on some kind of new law or some kind of new religion. When he says repent... Like he says to the rich young man, it's, it's uh, not that he has to just sell everything. He has to come and turn to Jesus and follow him. Unfortunately, at that point, the rich young man does not do that. When he says believe in verse 15, again, you might say, well, what does he mean by believe? And uh, it's not believe in God because they already did that. Um, as Jesus said in John 14, you believe in God, believe also in me. He's calling them to believe in him. And not just in him as the man standing in front of them, but in him who he really is. As the gospel writers will go on to describe him. For example, John will tell us who Jesus is. And they've got to believe not just in a man. This is not another man standing in front of them. This is not another man uh, who has the same capabilities as they have standing in front of them. The word has become flesh. The word who is God has become flesh, John 1 tells us. And uh, when we believe in him, 
God gives us authority to become the children of God by the power of God. In Jesus, our faith in him makes us children, children of God. But it's faith in Jesus and not in what we do, not in religion, not in laws, not in the temple. Uh, Jesus is calling them to believe in him. Believe in me, he says. Believe in me. Follow me. So just going on a couple of verses, that is what he says to Peter and Andrew and James and John, verse 17. And this is another of Jesus' calls. We're beginning to uh, recognize that Jesus is going to be calling people and what he's going to call them to do is to come to him. And this is going to be the theme of the Gospels. So verse 17, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. The call of Jesus becomes clearer very, very early on. What repent and believe really mean are follow me. That's what they mean. You, you want to see who he is and you want to turn away from what's keeping you from him and you want to begin to follow him. That's what Jesus is calling the twelve to do. And the rich young man we looked at, he wanted it to be about what he did and most people do. And uh, it's a temptation for you and for me today uh, that uh, we want the Christian uh, faith that we practice to be about what we do. So we want to have certain things that we do, like going to church, like reading the Bible, like praying, um, and we want it to be about that practice because these are tangible things and we can measure these things. We can, we can measure how much we've read the Bible. We can measure how much we've prayed. We can measure how often I've been to church. And these are performance things and human beings like performance. We like to be able to show what we've done and to turn in our accounts and for them to be... Uh, impressive but Jesus is calling us to follow him he's calling us to focus our lives on him and to see who he is and to focus upon him so we can't say to Jesus like another man does when Jesus says follow me he says yes I'll follow you but first first let me go and bury my father or whatever it is uh, you can't do that with Jesus. Uh, you turn to follow him on his terms because it's Jesus you're following. It's not an ordinary person. It's not an ordinary man or woman who's founding a religion uh, and who's calling you to follow the rules they're making and to do the things they're saying and follow the practices that they lay down. This is Jesus. And he's calling us to himself. The focus is not going to be on what we must do. It's going to be on who he is. This is the call of Jesus. We all choose our own paths. Uh, but Jesus is calling us to follow hot in his heels. And to seek him. And to not lose sight of the fact that it's a relationship with him that is our goal. It's knowing him. 
that is life. This is eternal life, that men will know you, the only true God, Jesus says, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is life. This is what we want. We want to be people who follow Jesus, who repent of whatever stops us doing that, who believe in who he is, and who focus our lives upon a person, and not upon a practice, not upon a religion. Now, it's easier perhaps to see this in our next passage, which I want to look up, and that's in Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. A well-known passage. I, I keep coming back to this passage um, because I think it's extremely important. It's important for me. It has been over the last while, but this is the end of Matthew 11. It's well-known, um, but there's far more in it than uh, a brief study will reveal. But Jesus says, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Suppose in that passage you could just focus on uh, the yoke. What's the yoke? And uh, uh, how do we find rest with a yoke on our on our shoulders, as it were? But look, it's the key is in the first three words. Uh, Come to me, Jesus says. Now this is a universal call. Jesus is standing before a crowd. Jesus is standing before a mixed group of people of all kinds of. Uh, different life experience and he's saying to them come to me he's saying to them in me you'll find rest this is what he he's saying and this is a universal call and it's our responsibility in the church to keep issuing that call this is what we're doing in the church now we might invite people to church you know we might we might give them something to read and, and these are great things but what we want above all things is people to come to Jesus. We want them to meet with Jesus. And he's not saying that in order to do that, we have to get ourselves sorted first. We have to be ready for that. He is actually saying that we can come as we are. We might be laboring and heavily laden, as, as he says in verse 28. We might feel like we haven't got the energy, like we haven't got the the uh, ability to take on anything else in our lives. And yet Jesus is saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. But it's not come to me and I'll give you a lot of stuff to do. It's not come to me and I'll give you some more laws and some more rules and some more sacrifices you have to make and some more duties you have to follow and then you'll be a better person and uh, you'll be accepted by God. He's saying to them, come to me. He's wanting people uh, not to miss the fact that it's him there to come to. He's standing there before them. He's saying, come to me. He's the one that's going to be able to give them rest. And we, have to, we have to be able to display this to the world. And in order to do that, it has to look like in our lives we know Jesus. 
as a person who gives us rest. We've got to be like that. And we have to then think about how the church should be. It's not always been like that. Sometimes the church very much looked like a body that would lay heavy burdens on people. (coughs) And that it was more about what you did and you didn't do than about Jesus. I'm sure there were people who got through all that baggage and saw the reality and saw Jesus. Of course there were. But we don't want to make it difficult for people coming to know the Lord. We want them to understand that in the end, you know, when their body is laid in the grave, it's Jesus they're going to. It's it's not a penal colony in heaven of uh, do's and don'ts. It's not a place of heavy burdens and overwhelming demands. It's him. It's his life, his spirit, his rest, his person, his joys, his pleasures forevermore. Come to me, Jesus says. There's another call that's like that in John's Gospel. Turn to that. John chapter 7. (coughs) Feast of Tabernacles. John chapter 7 and verses 37 to 39. So John 7 verse 37 (coughs) to 39. Well known words again for a good reason. Because Jesus does the same thing again. He stands in a big crowd and he says, come to me. Verse 37. On the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles, I should say, was the feast that um, came at the end of harvest. And it celebrated the ingathering of the harvest. Celebrated the God's goodness in giving the rains. Which enabled the harvest to grow and come to fruit and giving the actual food of the harvest. And it was the most popular feast. It was a good time of year once all the work was done and the, the, the barns were full and so on. The stores were full. Um, and people would gather to Jerusalem in great numbers. Huge crowds are here and hear these words of Jesus on the last day of the feast. The great day. Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet glorified. So there's a bit of Pentecost anticipation here. The Spirit is coming. He's going to fill the church with Jesus. So again, you notice here, like in Matthew 11, you don't, you don't qualify for what Jesus is offering here by being satisfied already, by being complacent, by being content. Uh, you qualify by being thirsty. You qualify for the call of Jesus here uh, by being someone who's, who is uh, thirsty, who's hungry, who's, who knows his or her lack. If you're like that tonight, then that's not 
a reason for you to to think I can't come to Jesus yet because I'm still thirsty, I'm still hungry, I'm still dissatisfied, I still have needs. Well, that's why you go to Jesus. And uh, just as the ground that is uh, going to drink up the, ra- the rain once the seed has been sown on it and the Feast of Tabernacles uh, is going to drink up the rain and it's going to produce the harvest and they're going to celebrate the harvest. So ourselves, we are thirsty ground. And Jesus is offering the rain. He's offering that which will refresh, that which will bring life out of death to us. Uh, but he's calling us to himself. This is personal. And again, we must not miss this. He's saying, uh, come to me and I will give you the rivers of living waters. Uh, he's not saying, come to me and I'll give you something to take away with you. Uh, and uh, uh, you go and do this thing. You go and carry out this duty. You go and make the sacrifice. And uh, you know, you'll be doing the right thing and God will be pleased with you. He's not, he's not doing that. He's saying, come to me and I will give you rest or I will uh, refresh you and out of you will flow rivers of living water. You were thirsty, but now you're so not thirsty that there are rivers flowing out from within you and you're able to refresh others as well as be refreshed yourself. So, this is a call of Jesus tonight. It's always about him. Because Jesus knows who he is. And he knows that he is far more than just what the eyes can see. Or the ears can hear. And he's far more than even what the miracles show. He's not just someone who can heal a blind man. He's not just someone who can calm a storm. Uh, He is far more than that. He knows who he is. He knows that he is God in the flesh. And he knows that because of that, uh, although his body is in one place, he is everywhere by his spirit. And he is able to refresh people wherever and whenever. And 20 centuries later today, when we come to him, we're coming to a person we're coming for that person. We're not coming for what the person gives us to go away and make the best of for ourselves. We're coming to the person to stay with the person, to live with the person, to be filled with the person of Jesus Christ. Now it took a, an adjustment for the church to get the hang of what this meant when Jesus had gone. Because how do you get people to come to Jesus when he's not standing in front of you? You can't say, well, he's up in Capernaum. We'll go there and meet him. What do you do? And so when we go, if you want to, just turn over a few pages to Acts chapter 2. And the church in Acts chapter 2 begins to preach and has to really begin to work out what its preaching should be in light of the Jesus who, whom they have just been with and his spirit coming into the world on the day of Pentecost. And so um, Peter is asked the question, this is Acts 2 and verse 37, when they heard the preaching of Peter, they were cut to the heart, the crowd, 
And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now you notice in there there's a lot of what we've just looked at in the Gospels from the lips of Jesus. There's the repent. It's, it's like, folks, you, you, you're here for the Feast of Pentecost, you're religious people, but you're trusting your religion. You're trusting your good works. You're trusting that you're Jews. You're trusting that you're God-fearing generals. You're, you're trusting that, that you've travelled a long way to a feast and it's been a great sacrifice and you think that God's accepting you for that reason. Repent of that and repent of having played a part, perhaps, in killing Jesus as well. So it's back to that. It's, it's about Jesus. It's about the call away from the religious trust that they had to Jesus. And it's about coming into the name of Jesus. It's about believing in Jesus, being baptized in his name. Very public declaration that now it's him that your life is going to be under and focused upon. And you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. It's, it's Jesus you're going to receive. In the person of the Holy Spirit. You're going to get that living water. What Jesus himself had spoken about. And that is for us where we're at now too. We have to meet this challenge ourselves in the church. Uh, Taking people to Jesus. Now how do we do that? How do we do that? (coughs) Well... Every one of us here, I think, could do that right now. Uh, We'd like perhaps sometimes to get more training. um, But actually there's nothing to beat just doing it. How are you going to get people to Jesus? Well, you've got stories. You know your own story. Perhaps uh, you can tell about how you became a Christian. You can tell about stories that you know in the Bible you can perhaps tell about what Jesus has done in your life recently about how he has got you through things or helped you with things how he has given you rest in difficult situations you can tell the story and uh, we hope as well if we can invite people to things like next weekend for example we hope that when we bring people to the meetings of the church we're bringing them to Jesus because Jesus is in the church by his spirit and they are maybe going to encounter Jesus and at this very moment I've just got this picture come into my mind of um, in the days before children in the back seats of cars had to wear seat belts and uh, I'm driving away from the village of Inverasdale uh, up north of Gearloch where as a boy of about eight I have just been visiting uh, my relatives on my mother's side uh, while we've been on holiday there um, or maybe, yeah, probably just maybe, maybe about nine years old from Alness. We've, we've gone through for a few days and we've visited around some of the relatives and these were great people uh, they were the elders among them some really godly and beautiful people and I'm looking out the back window of the car at about nine years old 
uh, in Brasdale and thinking of people who have just visited and thinking, what's different about these people? What, what, what have they got? Uh, because I'd met with Jesus. I didn't recognize it perhaps at that moment. But I met with Jesus in them because they had the beauty of the Lord in their lives and by his spirit. So how do we get people to Jesus? Well, we need to be people with Jesus. We need to be full of Jesus. And we've got stories to tell. And we get people to gatherings if we can. Or we sit down with them one to one. And we try to get them reading the Gospels particularly. And meeting Jesus. And then we trust Jesus, we pray to him, and we trust him to work in their lives when they do read about him. Get people to Jesus and let him work from that point. You can't do anything else. You can't take his place. And he will. The final invitation in the Bible, in Revelation uh, chapter 22, uh, gathers all this up that I've just been saying. Revelation 22 and verse 17. Um, As well, it's maybe not technically the final invitation because the final invitation I suppose is in verse 20 uh, and it's the invitation of the church to Jesus. Come Lord, please. But in verse 17, uh, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit and the Bride, that's the church, say, Come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. But the one who desires take the water of life without price. Now this is John seven thirty seven again. This is Jesus' call to himself. But it's not Jesus' calling out this time. It's the church. With the spirit in the church. And we're calling people. And we're calling people to where the thirst is to be assuaged. To where the, the water of life is to quench the thirst and we're calling people then to Jesus so we leave ourselves there in this wonderful place uh, where uh, we have to be clear we're we're not people in the business of burdening others we're people in the business of bringing them to Jesus they're people in the business of of taking them to him because he's the one that's going to give them the thirst the 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 uh, water of life to quench their thirst and he's the one that's going to give them a yoke that is easy and a burden that is light and it's going to give them rest Jesus is the one who's going to give them life and life to the full and let him take it on from there our job is to call people to Jesus and to go to Jesus ourselves Amen